From Relay FM, this is Upgrade Episode 413. It is still the Summer, Summer of, fun. of Fun! And this episode is brought to you by Fitbard, ZocDoc, and Texas Expander. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. Technically, this may be the first episode that's actually the Summer of Fun that's recording in this. I guess it was the first day of summer when we recorded last week. Anyway, summer is here. Summer of Fun, we all know and when the Summer it of Fun is here. Although mm-hmm. I guess technically last week's episode... Should have been the beginning of the summer of fun. Actually. Right, but we moved it up because yeah. we were outside in nice weather um, the week before. So what could be more real fun? fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a hashtag Snell Talk question for you. It comes from Brant. Brant wants to know, Jason, what's your favorite Pixar movie? It is. I'm gonna. I've been saying for a while now, and I'm gonna stick with it. The Incredibles. I haven't watched them mm. all lately to rejudge them, but The Incredibles is my is my Good favorite. Choice. I like the the music. I like the uh, art direction. Uh, it's just a fun movie. Like the whole thing about it, I just I, I love it, and I love a lot of Pixar's, but that's my favorite. Voice acting's great, but yeah, the overall yep. visual look of that movie ticks so many boxes for me. Yeah, that's, that's yep. up there. That's high for me. My only other one, and I don't have an answer as such. Just one of the Toy Stories, I'm sure, would rank very, very highly for me. Sure, like, but I'm not sure which one. I'd need to watch them all again. Uh, but I like all of them a lot. I've only seen Toy Story four once but was blown away by Toy Story 4. Like, it, it, it outpaced my expectation for it. So that was a good movie. If you would like to send in a Snowtalk question of your own to help open an episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snowtalk. Use question mark Snowtalk in the Relay FM members' Discord. Got some housekeeping, Jason Snow. Okay. UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. Thank you to everybody who has so far purchased one of the Summer of Fun 2022 line of shirts that we got running right now. We have the brand new Summer uh, of Fun 2022 shirt, which is like beach vibes, iPhone in the sand, pineapples, upgrade logo is the sun. Beautiful t-shirt. I'm very happy with how that design came together. We also have last year's Summer of Fun t-shirt designed and art directed by the one and only Jason Snell. And the original Dongletown t-shirts in both navy and orange. They're all available for a couple more weeks. You can find those at UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. Thank you to everybody that's purchased so far. And if you haven't, we're stopping you, you know? Uh, Don't forget that you can always get longer ad-free versions of this show. It's called Upgrade Plus. Go to GetUpgradePlus.com and you can sign up. You become a Real AFM member. You get tons of bonus content. You get longer ad-free episodes of Upgrade and help support the show. We have something new coming for Relay FM members. Uh, it's a show called Spotlight. It's going to be hosted by Kathy Campbell, and it's basically an AMA uh, of hosts. So Jason's going to be the first guest. Uh, it's going to be coming, I think, later this month or the start of next month, so kind of around the end of June, early July. Um, and if you are a Relay FM member, you can ask questions for this AMA in the Discord. People have been doing that. It seems like we've got tons uh, to going right now. And this is going to be a monthly show with a different Relay FM host every time. Uh, and it's going to be hosted and put together by Kathy. So that's a good, good new thing for Relay FM members, which you get access to by going to getupgradeplus.com. I know nothing about it other than that I was asked to appear. So yep. we'll see how that goes. You don't need to do anything except, uh, what is it? AMA ask. You need to just A the Qs. That's what you need to do. Okay, I'll you know? um, get my A's in P's and Q's in place and mine my A's. Yeah, well, I mean, no, you, you don't want to mine the answers. You need to give them, you know? Yeah, but the, the, but, but the P's and Q's I will mine. The questions and the... Uh, oh. 
The Q's and uh, A's, they're going to fly the free. P previously asked questions. I don't know. <laughs> okay. If you have money to spend on either of these things, either buying t-shirts with our logo on them or getting bonus content, I would also like to recommend that you donate to an abortion fund. Go to abortionfunds.org. If you don't know what an abortion fund is, uh, these organizations help people who cannot get the help that they need in their area uh, with abortion and abortion-related healthcare, either resources or finances or advice, and can help them get the care that they need in their state, in the U.S. or others. This is obviously more important now than it's ever been. I urge you to find out more about this stuff and donate, whether that's money or time. If you don't like that we're having to talk about this, I don't know what to tell you, right? Yeah. Uh, we have to. And especially if you don't like me talking about it because of my accent. Again, this is the John Oliver problem, right? Like, uh, I yep. see it as a John Oliver all the time. It's like, well, okay, I know I don't live in America. I know I'm not American. However, the majority of you are. Yeah. So and here I'll, I am. I'll, I'll say it in an American accent, accent so this will be very helpful. Abortionfunds.org. See? Thank you. American accent. Because, hey, abortions are healthcare. This is not and should not be a political issue. It is the right for everyone to have autonomy over their own bodies. It is a right. It should be, and I, I believe it to be a fundamental human right. Any less is wrong. If you are now opening Twitter or your email to try and disagree with me or tell me I shouldn't be talking about this on a tech podcast, do us both a favor. Close the app. Because you won't change my mind. <laughs> this is our podcast. Oh, you added this line in here, didn't I you? I did. This is our Please podcast and we say what we want. So Bingo. if you're sending us a message to say we shouldn't talk about this on our podcast, guess what? We get to decide that. We decided to talk about it. That's it. And also, uh, I've been having this thing where people keep trying to tell me that uh, how bad the abortion rights are in the UK. They're not. We have great abortion rights here in the UK. And it's also... Not a political issue here. So right. this this seems to be one of these like talking points, you know, like these like people, one person said a thing and now everyone says it. So don't come at me with that. In fact, as I said, don't come at me with any of it. Just go to abortionfunds.org instead. How about that? Back to our regular scheduled programming. Okay. There are new betas. <laughs> there are always new betas, aren't there? Yep, we got the beta two. We were wondering if it was going to happen, right? We were talking about it when we were talking about Stage Manager last time. Yes, and it, it happened um, shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, not a lot of changes in Stage Manager, uh, especially I, I think we anticipate more to come. They did add some keyboard shortcuts, which is one of those things that was very much a glaring deficiency in beta one, where like you would, how do I get these windows to go away or come back or go full screen? There are some, not as, like there's no command W kind of close window thing, which I really would like to see, but there are some new keyboard shortcuts in there. And obviously people are talking about like, will Apple change the hardware compatibility, which I'm not, I'm not sure they're, they're going to seriously consider that um, despite the fact that people are talking about it, but um it would not happen at this point, right? Because the, the way these betas work, I, I don't know if people are aware of this, but like they lock the beta one quite a while before WWDC. Mm -hmm. And then they lock the beta two. <laughs> uh, that might even have been before WWDC, but certainly like these things are done. There's a lag time. So um, they're working on it. But if you're expecting like reactions, this is just like Safari last year. If you're expecting reactions yeah. to backlash, it takes a little while. A there is a, there's some lag time in there. It, the, I, the usual, at least I think the more modern expectation is the first 
public beta, which is usually around beta three time ish, tends to be the first beta that has actually received post WWDC feedback. That's that is the that's what I keep I I see people say that and it makes sense to me. And keep in mind, like they're doing something that requires time to implement. So if if at beta three they know about your feedback. If it takes, it might take a couple more betas <laughs> to get the work done, right? Like it, it, it's a long process. Safari so, was changing all the way up to the end last year. All the way to the end. So yeah. I, what I would say for people who are very closely following betas and wondering what it means in terms of how Apple's thinking, like just keep in your mind, it's way more complicated and there's a lag and uh, making changes is not easy. Even if they decide to make them, that it will take time. The best you could hope for is some vague PR statement that says, we'll continue working on this. I mean, I think that's what they did last year with Safari. That's a, that's that's actually a big disclosure for them that like, no, it's not done. We're working on it. But uh, they're not going to say, oh, we're, you know, we're trying some stuff and we're not sure how it'll, they're not going to say anything like that. So just keep an eye on it and we mm-hmm. will keep an eye on it. And um, before the show we were talking about, like, you know, people like us, we, we do use these things and talk and write about them. And um, we'll, we'll it, at some expense to our, our lives because it breaks our devices, but we need to do it. So uh, we'll keep an eye and we'll let you know how it's going this summer if you're not uh, brave enough. If that devil on your shoulder has not <laughs> whispered in your ear to install the beta, then we'll report about it instead. Speaking of which, Justin installed yep. beta two. <laughs> I haven't on my iPhone. Uh, so we were Just, talking about this last week as part of yeah. Ask Upgrade. I encouraged Justin to install the beta on their iPhone, and they did. They did it. I said, I said, Justin, don't do it. That was the title. Mm-hmm. Justin title. did it. Uh, did you see that tweet? I wish I could remember it exactly, but it was another person called Justin, and they said that they were thinking about a life decision, <laughs> and then the episode popped up in the <laughs> in there. Well, it, feed. It, 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 in the end, yes, this is Justin who said, "I saw this while contemplating a serious life decision. Thank you for my help. I have made the difficult decision not to supersize my meal." Oh, uh, so, that was it. That was it. So that we're it, yeah. turning off at least one Justin turned away from the dark side due to our intervention. All right. There you go. It's a little better for your body, you know? Less salt or whatever it was going to be. More fries. Whatever. Yeah. You know, I went to uh, a McDonald's at the airport when we were in Dallas on our way home. The sizes are so peculiar to me. Like, a small drink, it's like, it's huge. It's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there, you're falling into a little bit of a European trap, too. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the big U.S. thing. And then there's mm-hmm. the the... Well, that's uh, we have that in movie theaters too. Here, it's that idea that everybody wants a medium, mm-hmm. so you make the medium big and expensive, <laughs> and then people <laughs> order the medium, and they're like, "This is the medium." And it's like, "Yeah, well, yeah." Um, they should just uh, make everything Starbucks mm-hmm. sizes, right? Mm-hmm. It's a grande, um, a venti, whatever it might be. A small, tall, a tall, tall is small. There is a smaller one, but it's not on the menu, and I don't remember yeah. the name. I think it's called short. I think well, that could be short and tall. Yeah. Grande and Venti. Short is a Starbucks size. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Secret, yeah, yeah. secret size. The secret small size is yeah. small, is uh, or short, but it's mm-hmm. it's also small. Um, I have a friend who re- orders things in the in terms of like the smallest cup you have or the biggest cup you have, <laughs> like depending on mood. So this brings me to my question for you. This is Mike Talk, uh, which is not a segment that we normally do here, but we since we mentioned. Uh, Starbucks sizes. Do you have a go-to Starbucks order? Do you go to Starbucks? And if you do, what's your go-to? Yes and yes. So I 
go to Starbucks for kind of two reasons. Um, it's convenience or like consistency. So if I'm somewhere yes. new or I'm somewhere where the I think the coffee isn't good, um, I wish I could remember who this quote was, but it's someone famous in the coffee world uh, that says that Starbucks is the best thing to ever happen to people that like coffee because you get a consistent cup of coffee always. But what I do is I treat Starbucks the way that I think of it to be, and I will tend to get some kind of flavored, like caramel flavored drink, whether it's, uh, I will either get a caramel latte or a caramel frappuccino, depending on the temperature outside. So I just, you know, I don't like the way their coffee tastes. So I like to just, rather than just put sugar in it, let's put some caramel syrup in there and go wild, you know? So the, um, and I don't drink coffee, but when I go to Starbucks, unless I'm uh, staying somewhere that doesn't have tea or I haven't brought tea or I haven't been able to make tea, in which case I'll get tea um, with honey, ideally. Mm. But if it's just sort of like during the day, like I used to go write my column, my Macworld column, I would go on Tuesday afternoon to a local Starbucks and I would sit there and write my column. And it was like my little cafe writing thing. Um, Always the same grande, hot chocolate, no whip, no whipped cream. Although sometimes I will take that off if I'm feeling special but usually no whipped cream oh i, I get it. no whipped cream on um, the frappuccinos i don't like whipped yeah. cream in coffee drinks i i, I yeah well and hot chocolate i mean it's just more it's just plowing more into that thing uh, anyway but because i don't have co- i don't if i don't want tea and i don't drink coffee it, they do make a actually really nice hot chocolate and i've been to lots of coffee places that make a lousy hot chocolate but the starbucks one is really good i also wanted to mention you talked about consistency that is the secret for a lot of chains is people are like well there's you came all the way to our city and you just went to starbucks it's like well if you don't know where the the good fussy coffee chain is or it's not conveniently located to you especially if you're traveling traveling a lot um, there is something to be said for consistency. Even if it's not the best, you know it's going to basically taste the same no matter where you go. And this is uh, an anecdote that I really like from um, a musician who I love, Bob Mould, who was in Husker Du back in the day and is a solo artist now. And I remember reading an interview with him, or maybe it was even in his, in his memoir, where he talked about Subway and eating sandwiches at Subway. And he says, okay, Subway is not very rock and roll, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, if you're in... 40 different cities in the U.S. on a tour and you're exhausted and you just need to eat something before you go to bed. The fact is, I can order the same sandwich at Subway anywhere in the United States and it will always be the same. And it's one of the... Are you giving up? Is it a give up? Yes, but there is sometimes something to be said for convenience. I'll do that on road trips where it's like, we don't go to a lot of chain restaurants at home, but on a road trip it's nice to know what you're going to get and there's a time to kind of experiment and like oh let's go to this roadside stand and see how it is but like if you're just trying to stop and get something and then get back on the road there's something to be said for convenience so i didn't know i'd be endorsing uh, bob mold subway strategy um or that we would be talking about starbucks but that's the glory of mike talk the flying dutchman of upgrade segments it doesn't really exist people doubt its existence but then sometimes it just appears it's like it's like the connected quiz. <laughs> it sure is. Well, less way less frequent. Mm. Way way yeah. less frequent. That's true. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Tax Expander. When you work in a small team, 
every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing call details to send to a new client. You don't want to have to track down the same FAQs every single time from the company website or try and answer every question manually yourself. These are the kinds of things you want immediately at your fingertips so you're able to get your work done faster. That's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation, couple of characters, and Text Expander will do the rest for you. You can just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within the Text Expander app. Choose your own custom abbreviation, and it's with you wherever you type. You could even customize these snippets by having them automatically add in current dates, fill in the blank field so you can type in some extra context you might want. Maybe you want some timestamps thrown in there. It doesn't matter what it is. This is going to make sure that you still keep that personality in the communications you're sending. Text Expander is available on any device that you use, across any app that you use. It's on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. That one about video conferencing, super useful. I have all of my Zoom details, like the link and the number and all that kind of stuff. I just type ZZOOM and it pre-fills it. So I use this a lot when I'm sending it to people. If I'm doing, say, like conference calls or some of my podcast hosts or whatever, they're like, what's the Zoom info? I'm like, here's your Zoom info. Very easy. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need TextExpander. Check out TextExpander today at TextExpander.com slash upgrade, and you can get 20% off your first year. That's TextExpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to TextExpander for their support of this show and RelayFM. Big rumor roundup today. This is the time of year, Jason, when Mark Gurman is going to wrap up a ton of hardware. So, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of stuff we've heard before, yep. but he sort of like put it in one place of um and I I thought he hyped it up a little much. He's like, "Oh, this is one of the most ambitious product slates that I thought uh, that Apple is going to re- release in some time." And I thought, "Did somebody at Apple tell you that because I I, I mean, it's just a list of everything they're going to release in the next year. I'm not sure how super ambitious it is. It's yeah. good. There's a lot of stuff. I did mm-hmm. feel exhausted reading it because I imagined all the work that is going to go into reviewing all this yeah. stuff. I but think yeah. the, what the way I... Because I came away from it feeling like, oh, it's a lot of stuff. And I think the reason for it, and maybe what he's getting to, but as you say, probably is overhyping it. A lot of this is going to come this year. And one yes. of the things that Apple's doing is lots of models of the same product. And so it's like, it feels like there are a lot of products and maybe also some of these things would have been spread out a little earlier in the year, but like, you know, <laughs> can't make anything right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, legacy nodes, etc. So we're going to go through these and we'll stop to talk about each product uh, as we wish. So again, some of the stuff we knew, but it's good to get it recapped. And again, some stuff, it's like, it's piecemeal across different people. And then when Mark Gowan puts it in this thing, you're like, okay, he he's done his reporting on it. So anyway, yeah. four iPhone 14 models coming this year. Yeah. Mostly, Two Pro this models. This is what we knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two Pro models. They'll have the always-on display. I'm already getting the feeling this is going to be stage manager all over again. Where uh, yeah. it's going to be like, well... 
why can't my OLED display do the always unlock screen yeah. on my iPhone 13 or whatever? Well, there, if if they if this feature only is on the iPhone 14 Pro, they even have to explain it in the context of their own brand new product announcements, yep. right? And I'm confident they'll do it. Remember when the Apple Watch Series 5 came out and they did the always on display and yep. everybody thought, well, wait, you already had an OLED display. Why can't you enable this across? And they said, oh no, the, this required a new display hardware that let us control the frame rate and the brightness in a very specific way and that's what unlocked this feature yep. and i'm sure that's what they'll say about the iphone phone 14 pro yep. and the always on display i think um, it's going to whether... be easy to do it but like i i know that there's going to be they i want them to be specific about it as much as they can be i think i saw some people yep. talking about the fact that the promotion display on the iphone 13 pro goes down to a minimum i think of 10 hertz where the right. apple watch is one yeah so and that may be that may be their story is that yeah. we we had to we had to do a new uh, screen or a new screen controller that allowed us to take the frame rate all the way down so that the battery life would still be acceptable and that's why it's only in this mm-hmm. one. But like if 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 this uh, last announcement has n- not taught Apple PR something, I would be surprised about. Be very clear about why and do it in a boastful way, right? Like yeah. that, that's you're doing a product announcement. You should boast about look at this new thing we did that enables this great new feature. Give it a new name. You love to give screens names. Give it a new name. <laughs> you know? Oh man, it's the it's the what would it even be? The hibernation retina display or something? I don't know. What is the current Deep freeze one retina display? Apple.com slash iPhone. Because they have like liquid retina display and liquid retina display XDR and all that kind of stuff, right? So what, uh, yeah. do they, what do they call it right now? It'll be red, a liquid retina display ZZZ because it goes to sleep. Oh, well. huh? <laughs> I really it's like that. It's pronounced snore. <laughs> I really like that. Super Retina XDR. Super Retina okay. XDR. Well, this will be Ultra Retina XDR mm-hmm. M. And the M stands for minimal lighting sometimes or something i don't know oh they, zach this has is said what they, they also say with promotion at the end with super promotion. retina xdr display okay so this will be super retina xdr with promotion and always smart on. sleep or yeah. whatever or, or eternal be, vigilance maybe or whatever yeah always on retina xdr display which is not a great name but they might go they might go that way right because they call the apple watch the always on display so who knows yeah sure the that screen will also have thinner bezels which is interesting. Sure. I can't imagine I'm going to notice that, but hey-ho. Uh, it will have an A16 chip, a 48-megapixel main camera. I'm very excited Ooh. for that. I'm, I'm really intrigued. I'm really Apple intrigued by that. Apple improves its camera every year. It doesn't do a megapixel leap mm-hmm. every year. That doesn't happen very often. In a long time since they've done yeah. a megapixel jump. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's many years. So I do that story now, uh, apparently every year, which is uh, what's new in the new iPhone based on the iPhone that you've currently got. Mm -hmm. And so I have to look at the charts and compare all the different versions of the iPhone and sort of tell this story about what's new. And that's that's one of the things that's jumped out at me in working on that story is the, you know, sometimes they make a better camera with more you know you know more pixels or or more um focus pixels or there's a better processor or they it's a larger sensor but what they haven't done in a very long time is leave what 12 megapixels behind mm-hmm. so it's a big deal i'm excited about that um pill shaped face id cutout mm-hmm. so removing the notch and a better front facing camera with a hole punch cutout so there'll be a pill shape, and then also a hole punch as well. 
Right. I've forgotten. So it'd be about like this. dot dash or dash dot mm-hmm. the Morse code. Um, you can decode which one that is. Then the regular phones, uh, way fewer improvements. They're going to have the same processor as the currently. You know, I don't think they're going to get the camera. Uh, obviously, they're not going to get the always on, and the notches. I assume going to be there as well. Uh, the biggest thing that's going to happen in the regular phones is that the mini will go away, and then a larger phone, which is a max sized phone, will accompany the regular uh, iPhone 14. So it'll be right. iPhone 14 and iPhone 14 Max. That's going to be the story in that phone this year, I guess. I had a a thought about as somebody who's got the 13 mini, um, if they replace the if they don't do a 14 mini. But they don't change the processor. <laughs> it's like as a 13 mini owner, I'll be like, okay, that's fine. Oh, you like, get another year. That's right? fine. Yeah. And I, it did actually occur to me that if Apple is going to do this kind of like lagging processor thing on the non-pro iPhone, that they could even do a cycle. Depending on the sales levels, they could even do a cycle where they do a mini one year and a max another year and they just go back and forth. Um, and they keep the yeah. the other one in the price list, and they just kind of keep rotating through them because how new are they really? I mean, they'll have some new features, but like if the if the processor is not changing as much, maybe they will. Uh, maybe I mean I'm dreaming here, but like you've I, you've I, I, moved I, into the bargaining stage. It's yeah. No, I'm I think I'm just <laughs> still in denial. I'm still in denial, but it'll give me another year with the 13. Although I have to admit, the Pro model sounds so good that i'm Mm -hmm. i'm i'm curious about the 14 pro but um i'm you know i'm team 13 mini i I hear it's not on a very high uh high tier but you know that's for people who don't know what they're talking about yeah or people that do uh apple watch three watches there'll be a series eight which is going to have the same system on a chip as the Series 7, which means it has the same system on a chip as the Series 6. Yep. Um, Mark Gurman thinks that there will be a new system on a chip for the next Apple Watch. So I, I use my Apple Watch to do all sorts of things now, you know, and I'm, I'm out there doing wireless, streaming a podcast while doing fitness tracking and all those things. And I'll tell you, you know, I'm sure that a new version of that chip would be nice. I don't feel like the Apple Watch is slow. No. I feel like there's software stuff that I wish that it did that they need to work on. But mm-hmm. like if there was ever a product where they could take three cycles off of improving the processor yeah. at the center of it, it's probably the Apple Watch. Uh, uh, my expectation is they are they now will update the Apple Watch when they have new capabilities that require a new chip. Like, it's not a performance thing, I feel like. But it's like maybe there's new sensors maybe coming in the Series 9, and so they need a new chip for that, or they're going to change something that would affect battery life or whatever. But, like, if they're not adding anything new, then why do they need to change the the, the system? I would imagine that there's some features that they really want to enable that they're not able to because they really want that next chip to enable them. And I I totally – I get it. I get it, but um, I'm I'm not too fussed about um, chip changes. I'm I'm more excited that we might finally get our uh, you know Apple Watch uh, Super Sport Ultra rugged. Uh, rugged. Yeah, yeah. I'm really intrigued about this. So Mark's still talking about a rugged model, but that's it. There wasn't a lot of detail about the watches. You know, like there has been rumors still abound that there's going to be a design refresh, but nothing, nothing here in this report. Uh, there will also be a new SE, same size, new chip. 
I really want to see the SE get an always on display personally. Um, I don't know what it's going to take for them to do that. that. That needs to be a better value product than it is right now. M2 Max. So a Mac Mini is on the way with an M2 Pro option, which feels like a much needed uh, place in the lineup, I think. Um, M2 Pro and M2 Max MacBook Pros are coming, obviously. And M2 Ultra and M2 Extreme Mac Pro. I love that name so much. And I hope they won't, <laughs> but I hope they like 80s brand it. You know, like it's like extreme. It's kind of like spray painted. That's what I want to see, you mm, know? Okay. I know they're not going to sure. do it, but a boy can dream, you know? Well, I think uh, having finally having a model that has an M2 with an M2 Pro, right, which never really happened in the M1 generation. They were M1s or they were M1 Pro slash Max. Those mm-hmm. are your choices. So I like this. And then it's interesting because there's no... Uh, Mac Studio described here, but I like the idea in the long run of having kind of the Mac Mini, which has the M2 and the M2 Pro, and then it's got the Mac Studio that has the Macs and the Ultra, so that you've got a real continuity of desktop Macs, and then they need to do the same with iMacs, and then it all kind of makes sense. Yep. Speaking of iMacs, the it seems like the next update might be the M3. Yeah, he, there's some vagueness in there, but mm-hmm. he, he seems to think that the iMac is not... Uh, on the M2 priority list. I'm a little surprised by that. He did say that there is a plan to do a higher-end iP- uh, iMac. Um, and uh, So I'm unclear in parsing it his words. It might be that that new iMac could be a bigger iMac and it's an M3-enabled iMac right. coming it, at the end of 23, 23 or halfway through it's 23. It's also possible, depending on how you read it, it's also possible that there might be an M2 big iMac that's like an M2 Pro but that the M1 iMac, the small iMac, might not get an update until M3. But we'll see. That's a lot of, there's a lot of M's. And then but, uh, we're, we're tracking it. In the M3 Mac time frame, it would be a update to the 13-inch MacBook Air. 15-inch MacBook Air, which I, we spoke about last time, I think will be a studio. But, and then also a 12-inch laptop, which is in development. Doesn't know when that might happen, if happen at all. When talking about the M2 chips, Mark mentioned that Apple's headset, he expects it to have an M2 chip in it, which is Mm. interesting. I had just assumed it would have a new chip. Right. Right? Like like they do with some of the other stuff. Uh, I just figured that they would want to make something more custom. Uh, yeah, maybe, but I, I think that they've got you know they've got their mobile and their desktop essentially chips, and they you know do do they need to do a, another variation on it? And I guess this is the answer is they don't. I wonder if they looked at the A series and was like, that's not enough. We'll put an M series in here. Remember, yeah, I, it's still I, pretty I just low figured it would have been chip. different, like a chip that's got way more graphics and neural stuff than raw processing and has a lot of performance cores. That's kind of my imagination for a makeup of a chip like that. But I mean, hey, it's a really powerful chip, right? Yeah. Uh, Mark also mentioned 16 gigabytes of RAM, which just feels funny and something that you put on your face. Mm. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of RAM to go on the face. It's a computer on your face. That's what it is. New iPads, uh, confirming a base model iPad of USB-C, 5G, and an A14 chip. Uh, iPad Pros coming this year with M2 chips, and then a bigger display iPad, Mark reckons, between 14 to 15 inches. This feels like he doesn't really know anything about this one. 
Yeah, or at least he knows sort of vague things, but not a lot yeah. of confidence about it. Uh-huh. That there's a bigger iPad in the works, and the details are unclear. Which is interesting because there was that other report, which was maybe Ming Chi Kuo, who said that it was not uh, Ross Young. It was not Ross Young, or it was Ross Young because it yeah. was display related, wasn't mm-hmm. it? That it was not going to be an OLED. It was going to be a different kind of display, which is what we made us say. Maybe it's an iPad Studio instead of an iPad Pro because it's a different set of features. The mm-hmm. base model getting USB C too. That clears the USB C out of the iPad. It's like all USB C and no more Lightning. Um, and that's the direction they're going with everything, right? Yeah. I guess the Air, does the Mini still have Lightning? No, the Mini's USB C. Mini's USB C too. Yeah, so they're just they're clearing it out. Um, and they'll do the f- same with the iPhone next year, probably. Yep. But um, I'll be so happy. Yeah. It, and then the other thing Mark said that I thought was funny is he said that there'll be more, the new Pro models will have more iPads that support um, Stage Manager. <laughs> like <laughs> basically for Apple to say, look at all these products we make that do support Stage Manager. Yeah. I also I, just yeah, like that funny. in this article, because again, this, this, this is taken from Mark's newsletter. At the, so it's more personalized, really. And he's just in the sucks like, I don't like it. I don't like Stage Manager. And just a really funny yeah. aside to me. It's like, no, I don't like it. I don't think they did a good job. But well, anyway. Mark's, Mark's <laughs> got... What's fascinating about Mark is that Mark is um, has good sources and he does good reporting. And then in the newsletter especially, they want him to insert a little bit, or he wants to, insert a little bit more of his bo- voice. So he has some opinions in there. And uh, I don't entirely agree with his opinions, but uh, his sources are impeccable. So... Uh-huh. You know, just kind of, yeah, but it is funny. He, he, well, he did that one a few weeks ago where he was sort of like really mad because some product he, he, he had didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, okay, uh, I guess we're reading about this now, but well, it's, it's his, his newsletter, newsletter right? He what he wants. You yeah. know, this yep. is, this is, this is, this is the different part. I, I like it. Uh, new AirPods Pro updated chips and stuff, support for lossless or, well, Mark says high quality audio. I'm assuming this is lossless. Yeah. Uh, new HomePod. Yeah, how about that? S8 chip. Now, that is the chip that is in the watch? Oh, I don't even know. Because that... Hmm. Uh, closer to uh, the original in size and sound, with an updated display on the top, possibly support for multi-touch. Which is all of that last part yeah. will seem very odd to me. Yeah. But I'm into yeah. this. I want more than a mini because I like my big home pods. And so I'm happy that they are going back to they're not all mini. And maybe right. this will be a better priced, more compelling product for more people than the original. Two thumbs up from me. Yeah. Uh, and I like the idea. So uh, one of the things that I hate about the original home pod is I hate the display because it's just for show it does very little that's useful it's mm-hmm. just kind of there for show and remember there were a lot of rumors that it would be an actual display and it ends up it's just kind of like some lights so i i'm curious if they will try to do something that's a little bit more complex than that in terms of the display on top and um and then different touch touch gestures one of the big problems with the home pod i found especially because i have one of my home pods is kind of high up is you can't do it by feel at all because there are little spaces on the top of the HomePod to go louder and quieter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to hit them. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And if you can't see them and you can't feel them, you can't hit them. So a multi-touch or t- new set of touch gestures for a HomePod I think is good because I would really like to be able to control a HomePod without having to hit a very precise 
thing on a device that I might not be able to see the control surface of. Like if you can imagine maybe pressing and winding clockwise or counterclockwise to adjust the volume or something like that, or swiping across to do next track or stuff like that, um, I would think that that would be a better HomePod interface. And a new Apple TV, but don't get excited. Yay! (laughs) It's going to get a new chip and one more gigabyte of RAM. It's like purely like just the usual, like we're doing things or games are doing things and they need a little bit more headway. We're We're running out of that old chip, so we're putting in this new chip that we're going to, like, again, this is Apple as a recycler. They've got products where they don't need to make a new thing for it. They just stick in the old thing. And as they're managing their... Um, inventory of those things, they look and say, okay, why don't we put the A14 in this now? Okay, let's do that. Yeah, let, yeah, let's do that. Asking a lot of stuff, man. I'm excited about a lot of this. There's a lot of things in yeah, here. Yeah, all those Macs, right? Yeah. All the Macs are really interesting. That iPhone sounds really good. The iPhone sounds really good. And the, and the new Macs, we've been talking for a while about how Apple Silicon could really like um, give Apple a chance to redefine the Mac line because it was so defined based on Intel specs before. And it, they've started to do that, but we're just really at the start of that process now with the um, the iMac and the larger MacBook Pros and now the MacBook Air. But there's more to be done in terms of uh, the chip rollouts and the designs of the, the systems. So so it could be a real interesting time for the Mac. Maybe the iPad, and then definitely those those new Pro iPhones are going to be really interesting. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Fitbod. Between balancing work, family, and everything else you've got going on in your life, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. What you need is a program that will work with you and not against you, and that's why you need Fitbod. Personal fitness isn't about competing with other people. You don't want to have to look to others and stack up against them. You know, like you go into the gym, like, I want to live with that guy. Don't worry about that. You're not gonna, it's not going to work for you if you're just comparing yourself to others. You need something that is tailored to you, to your needs, to your goals. Fitbod uses data to create and adjust a dynamic fitness plan that is made for you. You'll have instant access to it everywhere um, in their fantastic app. And this personalized routine will help you make the progress that you're looking for on your goals. Fitbod's algorithm learns about you and your ability and will craft this exercise plan that is unique to you because everybody's fitness path is different. Fitbod does so much work to make sure things are made for your body type and for your desire of activity, right? Whether you want to be working out twice a day or twice a week or whatever type of exercises you want to do, you can specify that. So like I want to use weight equipment or if you do or do not have types of equipment, it will help. You can put that information in and it will help craft this plan. So you could do body weight only or you could say, well, I have these types of exercise bands or I have these types of weights and you can customize all of that. Fitbod will then track your muscle recovery to make sure that your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises to make sure that you're not overworking anything as well. The app is simple to use. It recently was updated with a beautiful new design. They have brand new HD video tutorials that are shot from multiple angles so you can uh, really easily learn every exercise and it integrates with your Apple Watch, your Wear OS smartwatch and apps like Strava, Fitbit and Apple Health as well for that data which is great to have. Personalized training of this quality could be expensive, but Fitbod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year, and you can get 25% off your membership by signing up today at fitbod.me slash upgrade. So go and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash upgrade, and you will get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash upgrade for 25% off. Our thanks to Fitbod for their support of this show and Relay FM.
So there's a new Mac in town, the M2 MacBook Pro. Yay. You summed it up so beautifully. We called it out on Connected, called this a classic Thank Jason you. Snell headline. Mm-hmm. The future wrapped in the past was the headline that you came up with. And yep. I love it. I love it. Do you want to, is there anything specific you wanted to talk about in regards to the M2 MacBook Pro? Um, I mean, what I said in the article is that there are three ways of looking at the MacBook Pro and they're all correct. One of them is it's the debut of the M2 and the M2 is really interesting because it's the, the, the first time Apple has done an update to its processors in the Mac. And while that seems a little esoteric, we have been, first question was what are Apple processors going to look like in the Mac? But the next question is what happens after that? How do they then cycle through and do it again and do it again? And the M2 is sort of lifting the curtain on that. Um, second one is, um, why does this thing look like not look like all of Apple's other current laptops? It is a it is a refugee from the past. It looks very 2016. It hasn't gotten any of the updates, and therefore it seems really like something from a bygone era. And then the third observation is, out of context, without knowing what else is going on in Apple's product line, it's a thin, light, reasonably priced for Apple, powerful laptop. Um, and so, like out of context. It seems fine and normal, but you have to pretend that Apple hasn't pushed the other products, other laptops that it makes forward in order to um, to think that way. And all of these things are true. Like, again, if you get one of these and you use it, it's not bad. It's, it's actually good. It's just not the state of the art from Apple anymore. It's this recycled kind of old enclosure and old technology with a new chip at its heart. And that's, so as a result, I think the chip is the, by far the most interesting thing about the product. And it's not, uh, although, look, I don't want to overstate the caveats because there are a few caveats. There are a few people for whom this product is one that makes sense, but, but I don't want to give that too much oxygen because the truth is it's almost nobody. This is a product that I I would not personally recommend to anyone because there are better options. There are better options for the same price, the MacBook Air that comes out next month. There are better options in the MacBook Pro line, the ones that are more expensive and a whole generation better in terms of everything about them other than the chip. And their chip is still faster because the high-end chips of M1 are faster than the M2 base. And I guess if you could get a good deal on an M1 MacBook Pro and you wanted that, that's probably also still very yeah, good well, for you, you know? Yeah, the M2 as a processor is like what we've seen in the March of the A-series processors. The M2 is faster, but it's not, uh, you know, amazingly faster. It's faster. It's got the next generation core from the A15 instead of the A14. It's got the next generation neural engine, next generation GPUs. It's got uh, the video encoders from the M2 high-end. It's got the memory system that the high-end M1s had. Um, and so it's got better memory and faster storage and like, it's got lots of things about it, but the fact is most people are not coming from an M1 anything to this. They would be coming from an Intel something Mm -hmm. to this. And that's where you get your big leap. So, so the truth is if you were going from an Intel something to a refurbed or cheaper M1 laptop, that's still for sale, um, you're still going to get the bulk of that great leap and, um, and save some money. So that's also true. Yeah. I guess it's price points, right? Like this is just, it hits a price point. That's why this product exists. They can't make the 14 or won't make the 14 for what the 13 costs. So until they can, the 13 exists. The more people I talk to, 
about this, the more stories I hear about what I already kind of intuited, but I think is absolutely the case, which is this product exists because some people will only buy a, a product, a laptop with Pro on it. They will only buy a MacBook Pro. They don't see themselves as MacBook Air people. They want a serious laptop and they want the Pro. And um, But I think that when I say people, the truth is it's mostly not people. The truth is I think it's mostly corporate buyers. I think they're corporate IT groups and Apple sells a lot mm-hmm. of laptops to corporations and corporate IT groups are like, I don't want the MacBook Air. That's a consumer system. I want the MacBook Pro. They, they stand behind it. Those are serious tools. And I, I heard from people who are like, yeah, I asked my company to buy me a MacBook Air and they said, I got you something better. And it was a 13 inch MacBook Pro. And they're like, uh, no, mm-hmm. it's not better. Um, <laughs> but it's got the name on it and the IT people won't buy the Air, they'll buy the Pro. And I think, yes, historically, there are probably some things about buying consumer laptops in general, including not from Apple, versus buying buying ones that use professional parts and are professional laptops. I think, in truth, there's no difference between buying an M2 MacBook Air and an M2 MacBook Pro once the Air is available. I don't really think there is an appreciable difference there. But the name matters. The name is important. And uh, if you're a company that's standardized on that name, and you're not willing to buy that that person a $2,000 laptop, well, guess what? There's a $1,200 laptop that you can get mm-hmm. that uh, is also a MacBook Pro. And so I think that's why it's Apple's number two seller of laptops is, is mostly for corporate sales. And I think that's going to only increase now because at least in there were there was a little more differentiation or a little less differentiation i guess in the m1 generation where the the air also didn't have magsafe and also right like it also was an old design but now the air is the new design and the pro 13 inch is not Mm -hmm. and so there's even less of a reason to choose it over the air so yeah i think it's i think it's for price point so apple can say the macbook pro starts at 1200 even though it doesn't the 1200 i forget exactly what the price is but it's 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 a low price, and then it's nineteen ninety nine for the MacBook uh, fourteen, and so yeah, twelve ninety nine. So it's not even twelve hundred. Thirteen hundred dollars is a lot less than two thousand, right? I mean, that's a lot of money. That that's seven hundred dollars on a product that's thirteen hundred dollars. So yeah. it's a huge leap. And and if you're saying to yourself, well, why doesn't Apple make a a new version of the thirteen with the new technology? And I, I have I have two thoughts about that. One is they did. It's the MacBook Pro 14. <laughs> and two is if they did it, they'd have to charge a lot more, even if they did a stripped well, down version. I mean, the MacBook Air is also though, right? Right. They want to keep their margins for the MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet they also know that there's a limit to how many they're going to sell if they push that MacBook Pro starting price up above twelve ninety nine. And they're not willing to say you can't buy into the MacBook Pro for less than two grand. So this product exists. And it, I think nobody's happy about it. I would argue that the people at Apple don't like this product either, but they have to make it. Even though it's old and it doesn't have any of the stuff that they push forward with the, the laptops the last couple of years, they're stuck with it because they want to keep the margins and they know it sells and they know they can't raise that price. And so here we are, even though the Air comparably configured is the same price. <laughs> and is an advanced version of this with the same chip. And yes, battery and a fan, but most people won't care about the differences. Um, and the positive differences are so great. So it, it's here. It is what it is. I don't know 
if anybody's going to ever be excited about it, but a lot of people are going to get them. And if you're one of those people whose work buys them a MacBook Pro and you're very excited you're getting an M2 MacBook Pro and you get it and it's this thing, it'll be fine, but it also won't feel appreciably different than that laptop you got in the late 2010s because it's basically the same, touch bar and all. So the 1299 model comes with a 256 gigabyte SSD. That's what it starts at. Yep. I saw some reports over the weekend that there are some YouTubers who have tested this machine and have realized that this 256 base model has a slower SSD than the M1 MacBook Pro. It's around 50% slower <laughs> at reading, 30% slower at writing. Upon disassembly, it appears that this machine... Uh, than the M113? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The product it replaces... <laughs> Uh, upon, yeah. upon disassembly, it appears that this machine has a single NAND flash storage chip, where the previous model had two. Had two. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's slower. Uh, I was wondering, legacy notes? I don't know. Like, what's the re- this could be pri- I, I don't know what the reason is. I will say, just as a aside again, that like going back to that, like the whole point around this machine, I think 256 gigabyte is not enough for a computer today that is a pro machine. Like, and yet a, here we are yeah. because of the compromises that are made in order yeah. to get this to hit the price point. And yeah, go I agree. I mean and again, it's not like it's not like 12.99 even the base price is not a real price, right? Cuz then you're going to spec it up. But mm-hmm. it gets you in the door. And mm-hmm. I think like that IT person who's like, "Well, yeah, I don't like that configuration, but then I can do a custom configuration and I can get it to 15.99 and I'm happy with that and it's still not 29 or 19.99." So uh, it's not a real price, but it's a real base that allows you to get in. I, I agree. I mean, everything about this system is compromised. By the way, for the record, I have the one terabyte model and I don't have an M1 13-inch MacBook Pro to compare it to. So I'm glad people are out there doing that Apparently, work. Apparently, this is only on the low, the lowest. Yeah. Uh, the 256 is the only place where there is this difference in SSD speed. Right, right. And, which is the base you know, model, which you probably... No, yeah, no yeah. reviewers mm-hmm. were sent this model. No reviewers no. are ever sent this model. So. Shocker. Yeah, yeah, no, you're never, you're never, well, sometimes you're sent the base model, but mostly you're not because yeah. Apple doesn't want to do that. They want the reviewers to have this great experience. Mm-hmm. I compared it to my M1 Air um, and it's, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a step up, but it's, it's moderate. And again, I would just hold out for the M2 Air if you're going to, if you're going to go that direction. But most people just, I want to remind everybody again, most people do not upgrade from an M1 to an M2, right? Because that's one generation. Like most people are not going to do that. Most people are still, who are going to buy this system and buy the Air, they are coming from Intel. Yeah. And I I ran some speed tests on Intel on my my, um, iMac Pro, but also on my, on Lauren's uh, 2018 MacBook Air. Yeah, somewhere Kills between yeah. 6 and 15 times, times faster, not 60%, 6 times faster, some cases 10 times faster. It is, uh, that's that's the leap, because that's the Apple Silicon leap. And anybody who still hasn't gone to Apple Silicon, a lot of people talk to big talk about like, oh, I'm not going to ever do the first generation of a chip. Like, if those people are like holding out still, well, M2 is going to give you Everything that the jump to M1 would have given you and more, and that's what most people are going to buy. But, but like still, this laptop, it's just not that should, exciting. It's just if not. you've got an Intel MacBook Pro 13-inch, you should be upgrading to the new MacBook Air. You should not be upgrading to this machine. Like, you will get a new design. 100%. You will get new features. You will get you more get an extra port ports. because if because if you charge your laptop on this one, 
you lose one of the two ports that it's yes. got. Whereas on the Air, if you charge your laptop, you still have two ports yep. on the it. The true which replacement is for the nice. Intel You get extra screen MacBook space Pro. because, because the, the, uh, the menu bar creeps mm-hmm. up around the webcam. You mm-hmm. get a better, a better webcam. webcam. This thing still has the 720p webcam in it. Yes. Bad computer, get a MacBook Air. That is well, the upgrade well, <laughs> guarantee. Well, it's not... It's not a bad computer, but it's using outmoded technology that Apple's only selling to hit a price point. Yeah. And there's another product at the same price point that does this better. So unless you just, again, are in one of those deep edge cases, like just don't, if you're listening to Upgrade, like don't do it. Just don't do it. Because it's like, we, we were don't talking about this too, right? Like people say like it's got a fan in it, which is true. But if you are doing work at a sustained level on a macbook pro m2 where you need the fan because of the difference the fan's gonna make like you have to push these chips so far you also yes. shouldn't be using this machine because it's well, not good enough for you like you know? i said those are the edge those are the edge cases if it, it makes sense if you're somebody for whom battery is the highest priority that you don't care about the ports and all the other things that the air does better and if you're pushing the gpu as hard as that to to make it really throttle on the non-fan based system i would say to you what work are you doing to do that and it could you could you go up in price can you afford to go up in price and get the 14 inch model because if you're pushing your gpu that hard you really should get the 14 inch one if you can afford it mm-hmm. um and i'm not sure there are many people out there buying the low end macbook pro to do graphics work that is so high end that they that they push it to that limit like yep. i i am again I'm sure there are edge cases. I'm sure there, there are people are. who can who can barely afford the base model and are going to push it to the limits and 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 are going to be happy with it. But I would argue that that if you're if you care so much about that extra headroom because of the fan, you you might want to save your money and wait until you've got enough money to buy the 14 inch because it's just going to be so much better on every level. So that's why I am skeptical of how large the edge cases are for this i want to be fair to the product and say yes it does have some benefits but i i really don't believe many people would who who fit that model exist i i just don't believe it so it's the summer of fun so we're going to do something weird today it is. Oh. we're going to do what i'm calling the iphone stats check i have accumulated a variety of things that have numbers attached to them about iPhones that you can get from poking around inside of the iPhone, we're going to compare our stats. So, starting okay. out with, how many apps do you have installed on your phone, on your iPhone, Jason Snow? All right. Let's, can we start with what our phone is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a the good The greatest good stat, stat of all. Mm-hmm. What is your Mine's phone? Mine's an iPhone 13 mini in blue. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I have a iPhone 13 Pro Max in gold, mm-hmm. aka okay. the best phone. Sure. <laughs> How Thank many you, apps do you is. have installed? Thank you. My phone is the best phone. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I have 105 apps installed. Okay. I have 323. <laughs> Seems a bit extreme. <laughs> I yeah, there's some numbers in here where I saw it and I was like, why? Well, once App Library exists, right? Yeah, it's you all can there, just man. not. 
you can just not delete exactly. apps and they just are there. And then if you turn on the setting that offloads them, if you don't use them, they're still there, but they're not actually there. I mean, I don't so do the you offloading can really go to town. because you I have a 512 gigabyte iPhone, which is important right. for the next question of how many gigabytes of your iPhone is used. Um, well, I only have a 128 gigabyte iPhone and I'm using 81 well, you can only get so much storage in that little phone, you know, it's small, so you, you just like small mm. chips. Makes sense. Mm. Mm. Sure. Uh, I'm using 292 gigabytes of my iPhone storage. Whew. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. I guess when your capacity goes up, your usage goes up too. Yeah. Uh, the reason that I went with the 512 is that my, whenever it was that I went from 256 to 512, I was already starting to push up towards 256. I'm like, okay, I don't want to ever think about this. I'm just gonna just gonna go five twelve. Now I'm on five twelve. It's gonna be a long time before I need to go up from there. Mm. I when I was buying this phone, I looked at what my usage was on my previous phone and I realized that I couldn't use uh, one twenty eight would be fine. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. It was not an issue. So I saved a little money. One of my reasons is uh I have all my photos and videos saved locally to my device. I, I don't. A cloud photo library. Well, I mean, Woo! we'll get to why in a minute, uh, but that's mm-hmm. one of the things for me. Like, I, I have my, and that's a huge, and I know I don't need to. I just want to. Um, and so I do. How many songs do you have on your, on your iPhone? I have um, 533. Mm. I believe this only counts ones that are downloaded to music. I'm expecting so, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm at 950. I don't know why, but that's what I'm at. <laughs> I think maybe the phone's just downloading a bunch of stuff on its own, yeah. right? Because I have the storage space. I have, well, what I do is I have a bunch of playlists and stuff that I've marked as download. Yeah. For, I've done some of that too, but I think the phone's for doing air, that For airplane mm-hmm. trips, mm-hmm. basically. That's exactly why I have mine too. Yeah. How many videos are on your device? 2,517. Right, and then obviously, this is where the thing is it's a little complicated, but like that's not what you've got downloaded, but that's just what the device can well, see. Yeah, right? so so videos is a weird one, because I was like, why do I have that many? And I thought, do I have TV shows? Do I have movies? Why do I have 2,000 movies on this little tiny? The answer is that this is an iCloud photo library number, yes. or at least includes iCloud photo library, and it doesn't have to be local for it to be counted. So that includes all the videos that I've ever shot that are in my iCloud photo library. I thought my number was high, which is six hundred and ninety seven. <laughs> it turns out it's it's nothing. Uh-huh. It's so it's uh, it's nothing. I mentioned having all my photos downloaded. I have fifteen thousand six hundred and fifty one photos on my iPhone. Jason, how many photos are on your iPhone? Ninety four thousand. Is that exactly? Yes. That's unbelievable. Well, I I got news to you. I took that picture. Uh, for something that'll be in the pro show today, um, upgrade plus about yeah, yeah. Um, about yes. Yeah, so, well, the pro show is how connected <laughs> refers to it. So I'm just using the the, the jargon, the vernacular. Uh-huh. Um, I mentioned as people here in upgrade plus that I got some new keycaps for my keyboard, and I took a picture. I had already done the numbers, so I'm excited to report that having taken the picture of my keyboard and posted it to the members Slack, I'm now at ninety four thousand and one. 
Your name is all over the place today. I don't know. I'm counting photos, Mike. I got I got no time for anything what do you but want counting me? photos at this my, point. My, head's my point is, I was at ninety four thousand when you asked me this question, but That's now funny. I'm at ninety four thousand and one because I took a picture of my keyboard. Unbelievable. That's such a And that's iCloud Photo Library. Again, those aren't on the device. They're an iCloud Photo Library, but I just went over to my Photos app on my Mac, and it is a a similar, although not exactly the same, of course, because it's iCloud Photo Library uh, number. I wonder how big your iPhone would need to be to hold your iCloud Photo Library database. Like that. Well, the iCloud Photo Library itself is um, many gigabytes. um, Yeah. So no joke. It's like a terabyte or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's a lot. It's it would it, it doesn't fit. It's on my server. That's where it lives in iCloud. How many home screens do you have, including hidden home screens? One. <laughs> I have four. I have three usually, and then one that I enable when I'm traveling, which is like a whole travel setup right. home screen. Yeah, it, no, it's a nice idea. I like the idea of the travel home screen. I I may set try to set that up. Mm-hmm. For when I'm traveling, it's really nice because um, it, it's a nice idea. But I, um, and in fact, Relay FM members, I guess, will got yep. had, got an email the, over the weekend with my home screen. Yep. After set, doing that, I uh, in I was had a conversation in uh, in a great Slack that we are in, and I decided to embrace the um, the Siri app widget lifestyle. Because what I was what what huh. I was thinking is I don't actually know what my my old home screen strategy is invalid now because of app library mm-hmm. and because I use search all the time. Yep. Do I really need anything? All the home screen serves now is as a quick access for apps that I don't need to search for because I use them so often that they need to be right there on the top. That's that's it, right? Because mm-hmm. you can just pull down to search. And find anything and launch it. So what is that home screen for? And so for me, it's got some widgets on it. It's now got the Siri widget on it, um, which shows eight apps that, mm-hmm. that the phone thinks I might want. And then it's got 12 apps that I chose myself. And so far, that's actually pretty good. It kind of knows the apps that I use regularly that aren't visible on the home screen and surfaces them. And if they're not there, then I just do a quick search. So um, that's what I'm trying now. Yeah, I use the Siri suggestions a lot from Spotlight. You know, like when you pull down, typically the app that I want to search for is usually in that. So I'm not surprised that that widget does well. And of my three home screens, I'm going to ask this number in a minute. So let me just ask this number. How many widgets now do you have on your home screen? Uh, well, I, I put down two, but it's actually three yeah. because I've got I've got the widget that is my weather station, like current temperature and stuff. I've got the widget that's air quality, which I, I wrote. Both of those are ones that I wrote in Scriptable, the uh, excellent app that lets you write your own widgets in JavaScript. And, um, and then I have the Siri Suggestions app widget right below it, which is great because it is invisible. It just looks like there are eight apps there, mm-hmm. but they move when you're not looking. So of my three home screens, two and a half of them are widgets. I have 10 widgets, widgets. across the three home screens. Wow. I only have app icons on the first one. I love all of my widgets. I have great widgets. I have Carrot and Fantastic Cow in a stack. I have Timery. And then I have a bunch of Widgetsmith ones, which is like a Time one, a Pollen one, which is really great. I love the Pollen thing. Uh, I have some Photos ones. I have a, an app called Train Beacon that tells me... Uh, 
train time train times between my destinations that I need. I have a fitness one. I have another timery widget like that's got more statistics than just telling me what the current running one is, and then a craft widget as well for the craft notes that I use. So I do have a couple of widgets that are off um off on the uh, left to right swipe. I do too. I didn't include those in there, but yeah, they're uh, not on yeah. home screens. But I do have Fantastical out there, and the uh, and actually the batteries widget is out there too. I have a lot of shortcuts widgets out, out on that mm-hmm. that page. What is I'm your battery health percentage? Ninety-six percent. Mine ninety-seven. Good well, big battery. battery. Good big battery. Mm-hmm. How many hours have you saved in Overcast? One hundred and eighty-three. I'm at three hundred and eighteen. <laughs> this wow. is always the one, though. Like I say that number, like that's a big number, and then our listeners send in their like two hundred thousand hour ones. Yeah. Well, we don't listen at three x. Mm-hmm. What was your total screen time last week? Um, well, screen time tells me it was nine hours and 18 minutes, which was that the average or the total? I think that was the total. No, that can't be right. No, it's wrong. Screen time does get things wrong. Well, and I think I've got it turned off in a bunch of places. Okay. I I decided that screen time, I decided screen time was a complete waste of my time and I turned it off. Okay. Uh, I have turned on all my computers, my iPhone, iPad, Mac, sort of kind of stuff. And I'm at 54 hours and 48 minutes. Which, you know, looks like a huge difference between the two of us, but that's assuming that one is correct. Uh, how many focus modes do you have? Um, hard to... So I have two that I made, Yep. and then the ones that come with the OS. I have three that I made. There's four total. One of them is just one of the ones, like a work one that I never adjusted. I think I deleted some of the ones that were built in too, but I have four focus modes. How many shortcuts do you have? We're not going to talk about our focus modes? Oh, I mean, yeah, we could talk about our focus modes. Sure. What, what are your four focus modes? So my focus modes are, I'm going to it now so I get all the names for you. I have Do Not Disturb, obviously. I have a fitness sure. focus mode mm-hmm. that turns off notifications from absolutely everything. Um, recording, which is what is on right now, which basically puts me in do not disturb bar a couple of contacts. And then there is a travel focus mode that was supposed to be tied into that travel home screen, but I realized I don't want to be in a focus mode for the entire time I'm traveling because of the way the focus works um, currently. So I ended up not using that and just manually enabling the... uh, the home screen i made change to this so now that the focus mode options can now be like a opt-in opt-out rather than just like all opt-in of the apps and people you want to use um i will probably change over maybe i'll you know maybe i've traveled i might like turn off slack notifications or something who knows but i'll play around with that more with ios 16 um right. for, the, for the travel i have a personal one that i i theoretically could use but i've never used the one that i have used is i have a work one that essentially is my writing focus mode and it just it's gently shutting down a whole bunch of notifications while i'm writing so that i don't get as distracted i still let people there are a bunch of people and apps that can get through but it's a reduced set so there's reduced distraction but i like the idea of of um of uh, trying to work on like a recording focus mode is a good idea yeah 
some of those. I, I need to put some time into those. Yeah, that, that writing one for you is kind of similar to the recording one for me. But the, it's yeah. very, very, very pared down by recording focus mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it especially on the Mac, right? So uh, Yeah, sure. It's very few notifications coming through. Uh, how many shortcuts do you have? 135. I'm at 51. I recently went through and got rid of a lot of stuff. I was at like 200. Um, and well, I went through and got rid of tons. Yeah, I mean, I've got some stuff in there that I need to get out. That's stuff I added for the the Mac Stories um, contest. Like I've got the mm-hmm. text adventure still in there. I can probably delete that. But um, and this is not really about our iPhones, right? It's about what's present in iCloud. So mm-hmm. it's it's our shortcuts across devices. Um, so I could delete a bunch of them, but I actually do use a bunch of them um, and more all the time now that they also are on the Mac. So yeah, um, yeah. So it's a lot. How many Apple Notes? 860. Whoa, I'm at 688. I thought I had a lot. I don't delete any. I assume you don't either. I don't. Well, clearly I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I, I kind of like, I know people that delete notes. Like, why? Just leave them there. It's like nothing. Just, you never know. And then you, you can search them exactly. and find them later if there's something exactly. in them. You're like, what was that? And then, so it's funny. I don't use notes for everything. Um, but I do put some things like when I was testing the M2 MacBook Pro, I put like the scores in there because they sync across devices. So if I, I take the scores on on a system for a test that I'm running, I can either use that system or I can use a different system to note it while I'm running it. And they all just sync together in one place. That's nice. Um, I will occasionally do a, uh, you know, jot this down where somebody's like, can I tell you something? And I'm like, all right, let me just quick open a note and I'll write it down. Um the biggest thing I use uh, notes for is is podcast notes, especially for the incomparable. If I'm watching a movie or a TV mm-hmm. show, and uh, while I'm watching it, I'm taking notes so that I can know what to talk about. And yep. so my my um my notes is full of that, just packed full of that. How many tab groups do you have in Safari? Uh, three. What are they? They are. Let's look. I have one called product, which I think is, yeah, this is a project I was doing where I was trying to think about um, building. So it's stuff like, can I build a new script for my, for, for one writer or a shortcut that will do faster Amazon um, uh, affiliate linking? Cause you know, th- there was an app for that, but that app kind of sun sunset. Um, so I've got like little project notes in here and also a publishing on Apple news. That's sort of like, am I going to ever convert six colors to use the Apple news format? I don't know if I actually am because there are lots of issues with that, but, um, that's all like resources for things that I, I want to look into building at some point. I have something called buy stuff, which is literally products. I'm sort of interested in buying, but not right now. And I have a big, it's like six or seven things open in there. It's like, I'm not going to buy this now. And it used to be, I'd just leave that tab open until I accidentally close it. And then I would never buy it. And now I send those tabs to buy stuff. And then I have a tab called work stuff. What is in this tab? I don't even know. <laughs> What's going on in that group? That's funny. You don't uh, even know, do you? Uh, there, there's, it's uh, why this isn't always, well, yeah, there's just banana stuff is in here. The original iPod press release is in here. Uh, WordPress rest API is in here. (laughs) Archiving and version control for keyboard maestro. Um, this is a mishmash. 
it's yeah i think it's stuff that i wanted to keep around but didn't want right i mean there's stuff like the uh i was thinking about buying a different kind of partition instead of curtains for my office that's in here it's a it's blog posts it's basically junk there's just junk in there yeah i don't know why it's there that's a junk drawer i have seven (laughs) wow i hope they're better organized than mine yes because i use them all uh like every day i have a relay fm tab group which is just all things. What I love about tab groups is I have like this Relay FM tab group. It has like 25 tabs and it's like anything I could need. It's all of, it's like all tabs for all of our publishing tools, our ad tools, the memberful dashboards in there, a bunch of Google Sheets are in there for like keeping up with track and stuff, fresh books, Trello, like anything I could need. It's all in there and I could just leave them all open and then not always cluttering up my tab bar. Um, I have one for recording, which I'm in right now, which just has show documents and uh, the CMS in there. I have one for Cortex brand, which is similar, like all of the various projects we have there. And like I have the uh, various websites I'm working on in there. I have one for keyboard stuff, like products that I'm interested in. I have one for uh, we're going through the house buying process again. So I've got a new home tab group. I have one for my mentorship that I do for podcast mentorship. And I have a tab group, which currently has nothing in it, which is vacation. And anytime we're planning a vacation, all of the tabs for the vacation go in the vacation tab group. That's a good use. Excellent work. I look forward to making that tab group a shared tab group. Yeah. With with iOS and macOS 16. For sure. So yeah, that's the tab groups. Oh, I had one last one for you. How many uh-huh. unread emails do you have? Um, somewhere between none and two thousand four hundred and seventy-seven. I don't understand. That uh, can be the answer to this question. Um, so I use Sanebox, mm-hmm. and my inbox is completely read. Although there's lots of messages in it, but I've read them all. I also have Sane Later and Sane News. They're unread. There are lots of them in there. But um, Ah. I don't care. Okay. But my inbox itself, although not not at zero, there's lots of things in the inbox, but it's not... not, There's nothing unread in there, just in the other other, uh, less priority mailboxes. Yeah, exactly. I have eight unread emails in my email inbox right now. Get to that. I'll try. Okay. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by ZocDoc. Before you book a brunch right at a good restaurant, you will pour over lists and lists of reviews and uh, you want to look through guides and that kind of stuff. So why don't you do the same when you're booking a doctor's appointment? With ZocDoc, you can see real, verified patient reviews to help you find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten your teeth, fix an anky back, get a mole checked out, anything else, ZocDoc has got you covered. The mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant, or getting a delivery to your home. You search, find, and book your doctor with a few taps. You can find and review local doctors as well. You can read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. Now, when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set up to see someone in your network who's going to get you. So find the doctor that's right for you, book an appointment in person or remotely that works on your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. So why don't you go check it out for yourself? I love that these uh ver- like these online doctor appointments like 
going to a doctor's office can be such a pain, especially if you don't need to, you've got a question, or you just need to talk to someone about something. Being able to have a video appointment is so great. It's way easier to work with your schedule. You don't need to, to, to like give two hours for something. It could just be a 15-minute appointment. It's awesome. Go to ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. One last time, ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's do some hashtag Ask Upgrade questions to finish today's episode. First comes from John. Jason, what is the right pronunciation of the new version of macOS? <laughs> I've been hearing various levels throughout various podcasts and would like the definitive Californian take. Is it Ventura, 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 or Ventura? <laughs> um, well, first off, I want to say there's no such thing as definitive pronunciations. But you, you did this before even with in one different of the contexts. California names. So you, you yeah. were saying as a Californian... It's this. I don't remember yes. which one it was. Maybe it was Monterey or something? Maybe it was Monterey. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say that although I've been referring to Ventura a lot, if you asked me about, you know, like, that we're going to drive through Ventura on the way to wherever, I would, I would do the ch sound. I would do Ventura. Almost like it's V E N C H U R A, Ventura, a little bit instead mm -hmm. of Ventura. I think that's mostly laziness, and that's a lot of accents come from laziness where it's like, yeah, do I need to be that precise? Do I need to pop that T, Ventura? Ventura. Ventura. Very, that's my radio voice of saying Ventura, when in, in fact, in real life, I would just say Ventura. Ventura. Like a churro. Oh, okay. But you but can do whatever. And Ventura. I mean, anybody can do said, it. I like to say Ventura because it just sounds more fun. Like to just to just put a bit of like Ventura. Zorro on it. Ventura. Or something. Ventu Ventu Ventura. Ventura. Ventura is not no Ventura. Like Vench. Ventura. Yeah. Ventura is Vent is probably what I would say. And in radio voice, it's been Ventura. Ventura. Ven Ventura. The Cadillac Ventura. Ventura. What about Ventura? No. Is that good? No. Ventura. 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 It's like Ventura. a cross between Monterey and Ventura. Ventura. Ventolina. That's the new You know what's between Ventura Macca. and Monterey? Confusingly big, sir. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Johan asks, when do you think Apple will stop supporting Intel Macs? Oh. You know, I mean, where's the, where's the line right now? I, I would say stop supporting. It'll be a few years. You know, two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, Getting fewer features every time, having banner features not be there, um, that that'll start happening. But um, stop supporting them altogether. It'll be a while, right? I think Apple's generally pretty good at that. People are angry about Stage Manager, but like I think in general, Apple's pretty good at keeping older hardware around and not uh, completely dropping them out. There's also some some good security reasons for that, right? Mm -hmm. So like I would say bet on the longer side, but expect that they're going to start omitting features and it'll be more like yeah you get the new update but you don't really get the new features you just sort of are on the base and have the security updates and then at some point that'll go away so they could change i mean they, they they're very changeable um and this is a new thing but i have to feel like th there's a two or three years left for sure ventura is on 2017 is as far back as it goes 
um, on some some Macs. So, so, so that w- I would say that would that would suggest that it might be four years yeah. before they drop it completely. Which is, I, I think that that would not that might be my guess if I had to bet. It would be twenty five. Twenty twenty five. The twenty five WWDC twenty five. They would say no more Intel. But understand that by that point. You will be able to upgrade, but you probably won't get many of the new features they're adding every right. year. And you may not be happy with. I mean, are they going to optimize for, for for performance on Intel no. systems? No. Are they going to optimize for uh, the machine learning, like all the things that they can get on the on the Apple Silicon chips? Yes. And so, yeah, it's going to be using an Intel Mac will become a less pleasant experience if you're trying to stay up to date with the latest and greatest over the course of the next few years but mm-hmm. i think um 25 you know that might be the final like no this new mac os death valley and 25 the intel macs are the ones that are in death valley at that point something like that eric writes i'm seeing calls for people who menstruate to delete their cycle tracking apps in light of the overturning of roe as people fear that states may seek that data to prosecute those who've had abortions. Isn't the Apple cycle isn't the Apple cycle tracker safe? What about other apps? So I have also been seeing a lot of this. And it's quite complicated. I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to an article that EFF wrote. Um there you know, because it seems to be like this is one of those things where there is a lot of um fear and also scaremongering. I think like Unfortunately, I see a lot of these tweets and I wonder, like, are people just trying to go viral on Twitter? Like, you can never yeah. really tell and that, that kind of stuff could be a bit tricky. So the EFF <laughs> kind of yeah. says, like, check the privacy policy of the apps that you're using. They recommend one. I've seen a lot of people recommend an app called Clue as well. Apparently, they have a pretty good privacy policy about data and stuff. Um, you've put a link in uh, the show notes. Yeah, to John. Yeah. You know, John Gruber did a Daring Fireball post uh, today about this, and he mentions what the Apple Health policy is. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you're using iOS 12 or later and have two-factor on, um, your health records are end-to-end encrypted. Yep. So they don't show up anywhere, and Apple can't get to them. And then, in addition, by default, um, you know, you can turn off the iCloud syncing entirely. At which point, it's just on device. Mm-hmm. And so that I think the Apple. This is one of those cases where Apple's privacy policies are probably really beneficial because you, even if there's a good app out there, you have to feel personally comfortable that the developer of that app has secure and remains good, like privacy and storage and how everything is working. And I think that with Apple, you have a better idea that if they if they don't have it unencrypted in some form and they don't have the key, then it really is unreachable by Apple. And we've seen some cases of that mm-hmm. in um, in like the San Bernardino case where Apple refused to uh, to decrypt. Like there's different acts depending on where like messages can be. Messages are end-to-end encrypted, but the iMessage backup is not, right? Like there, there are yep. places where this varies. Well, but- if you use messages in the cloud you give up the end-to-end encryption because the I mean, key it's still there but it's also... it's but it, but the archive is is not because they've got the key. Well yeah, they 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 with the backup of the messages is also the key. So exactly. if what Apple do cuz I did some research on this too today. What Apple do give up to law enforcement is um iCloud backup information. 
and that includes some stuff. Like you can go and look on Apple's website and you can see the things that's included. Health data is not included in that because it is fully end-to-end encrypted. It's one of the things that's fully end-to-end encrypted. So the only way that law enforcement could get this information is if they had actual physical access to a device of yours. So as long as your device is properly secured, that data can't be accessed. Now, of course, you then get into all of those situations of like physical device security, right? And at that point, if you are that concerned about your physical device security, there is no app that you can be yeah, you'd be better off fully not using electronic devices because, yep. um, or doing it in a code or something. Because, mm-hmm. because yeah, if if they if the police um, demand you to unlock your device and if if they force it open, um, it doesn't matter that you've got it only on Any your encryption. device. Yeah, because your device is now open. Mm-hmm. So, this is a very uh, like murky water situation. Like, yes, there are options. But it all depends on what you are. But the other part is it also depends on what your comfort level is. But if what you are, you know, the answer, the answer of this question of like, is there a, a quote unquote safe option? Yes, it's Apple's health app. Like that's the one that you can feel confident about that they're not going to as confident as you can in a technology company that they're not going to do something like this. Right. Um, I still want Apple to do full end to end encryption of everything, including messages, right? Like I want full end-to-end encryption of iCloud backups. I know why they don't do it, but I think I should be able to check a hundred boxes and get it because the reason they don't do it is because if I lost all my devices or whatever, then I've lost all of the data. It's gone. I still want to take that into my own hands, right? But because the idea is like you, if you've lost all your devices and all your passwords, right? Just so many things have to get lost where I'm confident I would never get myself into that situation. But I know why they do it because Apple have so many millions and millions and millions of users. There will be a non-sizable portion of those of people that will lose that password and then they, they've lost their photos. I'm confident that's not going to happen to me. So I, would, so I wish that they would let people do it with a hundred keys you have to turn or whatever, right? But they don't offer it. So some stuff is in that backup. Health data is not one of those things, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Brando asks, I was wondering if all apps work in Stage Manager on iPad or if apps have to be compiled to work with it like was the case with Split Screen. One of the great things about Stage Manager as compared to Split Screen is because it wasn't like, you had to do a lot of work to get Split Screen to work. But with Stage Manager, every iPad app works, some better than others. But basically, if an app was already supporting split screen, it's going to work. It works even better if there's an app that supports multiple windows. Uh, But yeah, every app can work. Some of them will just be full screen and you can't do anything with it, including some of the stuff that Apple makes, including settings. Yeah. You know? I, I. I there have been a lot of conversation about settings, especially on the Mac with the new settings app. Um, my the settings app is is yeah full screen uh, tall on mm-hmm. iPad and not resizable on the Mac, and I don't understand. I just don't understand no. why this is on both fronts. It's like it doesn't. It's just a window. Let me move the window. I had a thing today, which was funny, where I had the settings app open and I wanted to open one password because I was adding uh, an 
a, a card to Apple Pay. So I needed mm-hmm. the verification code of the card like this on the back. I didn't remember it, so I wanted to bring up one password. In Stage Manager, there's no slide over anymore, right? So it wouldn't let me bring in a second window because settings is full screen. It's full screen. Wow. Yeah, it, it is. That, that's probably going to get fixed during the beta cycle. But, but most yeah. apps, to answer Brando's point here, most apps um, work fine. I would say the bigger issue is they're using the app's resizability based on um, not just multitasking, but all the different screens, right? So that they're able to, apps are able to pro, pro, provide different behaviors and present different interfaces based on whether they're on an iPhone or an iPad or whether they're on a big iPad or a small iPad or they're in split view, right? They're, they have different appearances. And what Stage Manager is doing is taking advantage of all of those different appearances to let you resize the window. And basically what you're doing is you're telling that app, my device is this size now, my device is this size now, and the app relay out, relays out. What I would say app developers are going to need to do this summer is look at their apps in the context of Stage Manager and realize when the behaviors that they assumed based on you being on a device are not the same based on being in stage manager. And I'll give you an example, which is Slack uh, on the Mac. You can have an app window that is that has the channels on the left and the content on the right in stage manager. If you make us, if you are in anything but full screen, Slack is basically saying, Oh, you're in a compact view. I'm not going to show you that thing on the left. And it's infuriating. It's not their fault. They didn't know that this beta was happening, but it's an example where they're making an assumption that this is a fairly compact view. I'm going to hide that sidebar on the left side, give the content as much room. It's like, I don't want that sidebar hidden. I want it to stay open all the time. And because when, it, when you slide it over, it goes over the content. You can't leave it open. You can't choose. And that's yeah. going to be one of those things that all app developers are going to have to think is like, oh, I should make it so that people can choose to show or hide this because in some contexts you might want to do that. Um, this, is, and, this is again like wh- why developers should have adopted Apple's sidebar for iPad stuff right. for these reasons. I will say sure. if you, um, like, I'm not saying you should do this or people should do this, but I did do it. If you do the display zooming, like the more space on iPad, that doesn't happen with Slack. Interesting. Well, I've I've been using Slack on an external display and it still happens. Oh, that's even well, if I make funny. it really large. That's funny. So <laughs> it, it is not great. But but again, it's beta yeah. for everything. And the developers who didn't even know this feature existed are not to blame for it. But it is, since Brando's question is, are you gonna have to do things like recompiling? No, because they're using standard features of the OS. It should be usable, but I think there's gonna be a lot of fine-tuning this summer. Um, when these developers are going to get their apps in in Stage Manager and go, oh no, right? And like say, yeah. I, this is come this release needs to time. Be better. It's Slack's fault. Yeah. Well, if you, you think know. about, yeah, I agree. And if you think about like desktop class apps as a concept, um, on the iPad, which Apple wants us to think about, think about something like a Mac app that wouldn't let you turn a sidebar on and off, or uh, or a toolbar on and off, or something like that. There are some apps that do that, like Slack is actually like that. But in general, on a, on the Mac, there's an expectation that the user has some level of control over the interface. Mm-hmm. And that's less true on an iPad. 
It's still true, but I think that because the size classes thing was such a big deal in the early days of the iPhone, with like they're going to be bigger iPhones, and the, there's the iPad, and we got to get away from pixel perfect designs and do you know these different size classes, and everything is is responsive to different sizes. I think what got lost in that is the idea that the size of the window isn't the only way that your user experience should be defined. It should also be defined by user intent. And that's a thing that they that developers, especially of iPad apps, need to get over. They need to get over the idea that the size is all that matters in terms of the user experience. Because let me tell you, using Stage Manager, it really sucks if you're working on a window and you want to make it a little smaller and the entire experience of what's on screen changes because they think you're on a different device or something like that. And it's like, I'm not, I just made it a little bit smaller. So you need to, they're going to need to put at least in some circumstances, more control in the user's hands for that. But that's what the summer is for. It's also for fun. It is also for fun. If you would like to send in a question to, for us to answer on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord. Don't forget to go to UpgradeYourWardrobe.com if you want to pick up an Upgrade t-shirt. Just got a couple of weeks left on that. If you want to find Jason online, you can go to SixColors.com. You can find him as at Jasonel, J-S-N-E-L-L on Twitter. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much to ZocDoc, FitBard, TextExpander, and our Upgrade Plus members uh, who help us support the show. Uh, we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Feel better, Mike Hurley. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>